Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, rocking with you for the next 120 minutes. And Motesy, I think today we got to get right into it because Uh-oh. we have got a lot to get to today. We've got some carryover from yesterday. We've got... Uh, of the continuation of our settling these debates once and for all. It's running back day here on the program. We've also got a little best of the West that we got to get to before we get out of here. And I'm hungry. I didn't get a McMuffin this morning. So you know what? That's where we're at right now. <laughs> That's a shame. Me either. Jeez. I mean, just, you know, uh, he's I like McMuffins. I like McGriddles, but you know. I'm definitely a McGriddle guy over McMuffin, but that's neither here nor there. I don't discriminate. I like the hash browns too. Absolutely. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, inside the electric factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. You already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours, you know where to find us on the Twitter.com at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. <gasps> the Body. All right, Arthur Motes. So we're going to get into running back day here, you know, as the show goes along. But like I said, we got some. Some picking up to do from yesterday's we show. We do. We definitely do, man. As well, too. We had a very spirited pass rusher discussion oh, in terms did. of the uh, the Parthenon. Is it? Mm. I always get. A, is it the Parthenon or the Pantheon of Steelers was, greats? I thought it was the Pantheon. Okay, I think you're right. All those Greek words, you know. I mean, yeah, that's geez. how that's how Al Pacino said it in uh, any given Sunday. Okay, well, if Al Pacino said it, that's, that's the enough. Pantheon cup. I was like, all right, well, I'm calling the Pantheon. Then. <laughs> that's enough. Yeah. That's enough for me. Uh, That's the Godfather. I gotta believe anything he says is gospel. You're you're not lying. If Stan Saverin's the Godfather of Pittsburgh, Al yeah. Pacino's the Godfather of our pop culture, mafioso culture. Whatever, <laughs> hey, man. I'll take it. Um, but let's let's wrap up the conversation that we were having yesterday in terms of right now who's got the best, and you wanted to keep it just edge rushers, yeah. correct? In the AFC North. <sighs> Now, again, right, we break this down like we always do. How do we break it down? Into top-tier talent and the depth conversation, right? So, Arthur Motes. I mean, I think it's, ooh, actually, oh, this is fun. This is. Because, I mean, off the top, when we say top-tier talent, I would like to say T.J. White and Bud Dupree just because Mm -hmm. you know what T.J. is in terms of being in the running for NFL Defense Player of the Year having megastar potential and then obviously Bud getting his double digit sacks this past season definitely made them a very very formidable tandem but the flip side is when I think about Cleveland and I think about Miles Garrett mm-hmm. and Olivier Vernon mm-hmm. that's the real debate for me too Be- because for me I look at Miles Garrett's numbers and what TJ's best year he had with 14 and a half this year Miles did a 13 and a half in 18 but Miles had 10 sacks in 10 games last year Obviously, you know, he missed the last six due to his own transgressions and things <laughs> along that line, but that's still crazy to me. Yeah. And then I think, and I said, okay, well, what about if I'm comparing Bud to Olivier Vernon? Because we know Miles Garrett and TJ Watt, they're going to be two of the perennial pass rushers, edge rushers in the game for the next four to five years easily. They've, excuse me, they've already established themselves in that regard. Correct. 
But then I look at Olivier Vernon, and I compare his body of work to Bud. And honestly, Olivier, he's been doing it longer and has been a lot more consistent for a longer period of time. Now, granted, his last three years, he dealt with some injuries in Cleveland, and that's why he's missed, you know, the or not the last three years in Cleveland, but he missed last, last three years year in general. Yes, last yeah. three years between the Giants and in Cleveland, he's missed time. But he's still consistently seven, six and a half, eight and a half, seven and a half. And then he also had an 11 and a half season as well. So when I look at that consistency from a body of work standpoint, I personally think that he's more consistent than Bud as of right now. Hmm. Now, granted, Bud's situation was different early on with him being a part of a rotation, whereas Olivier has always been the predominant edge rusher. He's going to get a ton of reps, a ton of volume. Correct. So I think that played into it. But, man, it's 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 not as easy as people want to think it is and just say, oh, well, we got TJ and Bud because Miles Garrett is in that same vein of a TJ Watt right oh, now. without a doubt, yeah. And anybody that's not agreeing with that, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but you, you, you hate it. You're wearing your black and gold Yes, glasses. without a doubt. Miles yeah. Garrett is literally a top three edge rusher in this league. Yes, and again, Moats and I are Consistently. not talking about anything with his character. No, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I ain't going there now. We're talking about the football I'm, player. Hey, listen, listen. I, I'm not <laughs> going to vouch for the guy from a person, from a, from a, uh, 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 a character standpoint, yes. I, I went and allowed him to watch my kids. I ain't, I ain't doing all that now. We ain't going there. All right? I'm just simply saying, if I need – As a football player. As, as a football player, if I need a sack, he's in the top three of the guys that I'm calling on. Yes. That's all I'm saying. And I'm with you. I think if you're denying that, you're just being naive. Yes. Or, or you're sipping on <laughs> yes. that haterade. Yeah. Because my man can flat out ball. Period. And like I said, with Olivier Vernon, the biggest difference between him and Bud – Bud, like I said, was a part of a rotation his first, what, two, two and a half years? Mm-hmm. And then you saw his numbers these past two years and the jump that they've had since he's been the predominant guy. But then, like I said with Olivier Vernon, just over the span of his career, he's been consistently around 10 sacks. Like you said, eight and a half, seven and a half, constantly there. And then he does have an 11 and a half as well. And a ton of QB hits. I think it was when he took the deal to go to the Giants, actually. And people were looking at him like it was crazy because how much the Giants had paid. And they're like, man, this guy only had, I think, up to that point, one year where he had double-digit sacks. That would have been his second year in the league. But when you added up the amount of QB hits and pressures, it was crazy when you were comparing him to other people. Like, for example, TJ Watt, we talked about him, right? I think TJ's best year, let me see what he had. Because I know not this pet the, the year before last, he had 23 QB hits. That was which was a crazy amount as well. But with Olivier Vernon, Olivier has had 36 QB hits in a season. Like, we're not talking about pressures. We're talking actual QB hits. So, TJ Watt, put it in context. TJ Watt's best year was this past year, right? His best year. All pro, you know, defense player of the year category, all that conversation. He had 36 QB hits. Then the year before that, he had 21. When we're looking at Olivier Vernon, Olivier's had 36, he's had 23, he had 21 his last year in New York. And I was only playing 11 games. Like, I just need people to understand when we're talking about the context of how dynamic or how good those two edge rushers are, we're talking about Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, they definitely are a very, very, very formidable tandem. Hmm. I just think right now, because obviously we're in Pittsburgh. Sure. We, we do. We don't like those guys. Not at all. Not at all. You can't like them. Even more so these last two years that they've been thumping their chest about how great they are and they still haven't done anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, get it. I get it. I, but but that's, that's my biggest issue right now because I'm like, man, TJ definitely holds his own. TJ and Miles, I say that's the wash. But when I go and I look at now, to put it in context, we talked about Olivier Vernon's QB hits and his sacks. Now when I go to Bud, 
Bud's best year QB hits was 17. Last year. And that was last year. Prior to that, 13. Then it was 7, 7, 6. Like I said, when we're talking about Olivier Vernon, his lowest amount was 9, and that was his rookie year. He's been double digits double every digits year. Double digits every year ever since then, Even man. in the years when he only played 10 games. Yeah. He had 11 games, and he had 21 uh, QB hits two years ago. Last year, 10 games, 11 QB hits. You see what I mean? So that's my only issue. So that's why when I think who's the number one pass rushing tandem right now, I'm still leaning towards those guys just because the Olivier Vernon aspect of it compared to a Bud Dupree right now. So everything that you just laid out was the same kind of internal debate that I had this morning, right, when I was looking mm-hmm. at this and I was trying to, to do my rankings and how, you know, my, my talking points for our, our show today, if you will. In terms of what they have accomplished, right? So if we're talking in terms of what they've accomplished to this point in their careers, I'm with you. Yeah. If we're talking, though, going forward, yes, mm-hmm. I still want the Steelers because of what you just alluded to. Mm-hmm. Last year, Olivier Vernon played 10 games and missed six due to injury. The mm-hmm. year before, he played 11 games and missed seven or five due to injury. The year yeah. before, he played 12 games and missed four due to injury. So mm-hmm. if you look at it, he's missed four games due to injury, then five games due to injury, then six games due yes. to injury over the last three years. He's also turning 30 soon. Mm-hmm. So he's not a spring chicken anymore, if you Correct. will, right? He's he's a little bit longer in the tooth. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. If you if we look at both of their careers to this point, Olivier Vernon has had the, you know, whatever, quote unquote, more successful. Yes. Career and more consistent. And more yes. consistent. But if you're asking me who I would want right now, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go TJ and Bud because like I said, I'm just you look at Bud, he's barely missed games due to injury. Correct. Even when he's had the torn pecs, he's still been mm-hmm. out there. Because of that whole availability is the best ability thing, mm-hmm. that was kind of the deciding factor now, for me. this is another question, though, because it's easy sitting in here today sure. saying we're excited about Bud going forward. But it's going to be a lot of people, and I mean, still in Steel Nation right now, that the verdict isn't out on Bud. They don't know if this was a one-year one wonder, wonder. Yeah. if this was because it was a contract year. It's a lot of uncertainties because we've never seen him have this type of productivity prior to this season so that is another part of it where like I said with Olivier we've seen contract year big contract rookie contract consistent Mm -hmm. consistently productive not only getting sacks because we say sacks tell a big portion of the story but not the whole story but the QB hits the availability the tackles all those other things you've just seen over a longer span of bigger body of work with Olivier whereas with Bud right now we're putting everything on this one sample size and going to essentially forget about the first, what, four years? So that's the only thing that I'm always a little hesitant on doing. I think, too, right, it's important in the grand scheme of this conversation, specifically when we're talking these two Browns guys versus our two Steelers guys, TJ and Bud do also have more, I think, responsibilities. Oh, yeah. Uh, Garrett and Vernon are true hand-in-the-dirt defensive end pass rushers. Yes. Where – Yes, Bud and TJ are edge rushers, but they're not always just rushing the quarterback. Correct. They're asked to do other things as well, too. I, I do think mm-hmm. that's important. But I'm glad we're on the same page in terms of – Yes. Th- I think this is the most the same page we've been on in terms of one of these conversations. Yeah, I think it's clearly, you know, like 1A, 1B, right? Whatever yes, way you want to yes. give one the slight edge. It's Steelers and Browns or Browns and mm-hmm. Steelers. And then I think there's a significant gap there between it, what the Ravens and the Bengals are working with. I'm glad you said that. And I think it depends on, too – what style of player do you like more? Do sure. you like a Miles Garrett more than a T.J. Watt? So Miles, do you just want the pure pass rusher, pure pass or do you rusher. want the guy who can do other things as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's I think gonna play into it. And obviously, depending on which city you're in, 
that's going to dictate a lot in terms of your answers. Some guys who are in the Cleveland, they're going to say, man, I want a guy who's going to get out to the quarterback every right. play. I don't care about interceptions. I don't care it's about the coverage. Scheme that you've been right. raised. Like for us, we're just used to the outside linebackers Correct. being the edge guys. Correct. If you're maybe a New York Giants fan uh-huh. and you're used to the human Euras and the right. JPPs it's, it's and the different. Michael Strahan's, yeah. you just want a dude with their hand in the, in the dirt. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So I think that plays into it a lot. But you honestly, you can't go wrong with either. I do think that it's more – I think you have a higher ceiling if you go steals because we don't know what Bud can develop into. Yeah, he could still get a little bit. Like, right. It's fair to say that last year could have been a one-off. Mm-hmm. I think it's also fair to say that he could be even a little bit better this Correct. season. Correct. Yeah. So I think that plays into that. Whereas when we're talking about Cleveland, I think it's more of a safer because you know how consistent Olivier is. And we already know Miles is in the same category of a T.J. Watt. So in that vein, I don't think there's any guesswork with either of those players, but the guesswork really comes down to Bud and Olivier. I think, like I said, Olivier is the safer pick today, but I don't necessarily see him going off and getting better down the line. I think 7 to 11 sacks is what he is. I think 15 to 25 QB hits per year is what he is. Whereas, like I said, with Bud, we don't know if he is that or if he's more than that just yet. And I think that's – when we're going through and picking who's 1A, who's 1B, it's more so, all right, are you more comfortable with the unknown or are you more comfortable with the known? And for me, I always like to operate in the known, which is why I say Cleveland right now. And you know me, the degenerate side oh, of yeah, me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like the unknown. Oh, absolutely. I like to take absolutely. a risk. Wild card, baby. Absolutely. I, I've, seen, I've seen too many risks fall on their face. That's why I'm like, nah, let, let me let me analyze the facts. Break it down. I'm, I'm day trader. Right, I'm, I'm day away. trader Wes over yeah, here. Yeah, I'm, I'm good on that. I'm good. Uh, give, give, <laughs> give me, most, give me slow Moach is into the hedge funds. I'm into the, yeah. day, I'm into the day trading. <laughs> I'm in for the long game, baby. I want rental properties. You want stock market. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's why we have so much fun inside the electric factory. The duality of man. Absolutely. The duality of man is the perfectly laid out here. And the yang. <laughs> All right, so you know what we do as always. What are your thoughts, Mozi? Mm-hmm. We got a couple tweets on this already. We've also got some tweets rolling in about uh, our running back debate upcoming, too. You know, Uh-oh. everyone's been anticipating Uh-oh. this one. I just, right, preface all of this. All these debates that we're having, right? Like mm-hmm. Moats and I just did here for the last 15 minutes. Open-minded, right? Yes. Don't come into these with a, uh, it's got to be this answer and only this answer right. only. I know every sports fan and every fan base is guilty yeah. of doing that. It's especially easy to be guilty of doing that when you're a Steelers fan. And like and we're talking about a rival up, right now, too. We're talking yeah. about a rival who has had <laughs> 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 not even not even a microcosm of the success that the Steelers organization has had. And so I get that sometimes it's harder yeah. to be, I don't know if open-minded is the right term, but maybe just thinking outside of the box. I mean, think about how long it took for people to really appreciate Joe Thomas. Yes. Dudes were screaming like, yes. yo, he is the best tackle in the league, hands down. And they were like, no, he plays for Cleveland. He got, he sucks. I don't yeah. want to hear it. Yeah. I'm like, you are out of your mind if you don't think this guy right here He's is the, the be- best tackle in football best right now. Best tackle I've ever seen in my life. Like, not even close. Yeah. Like, this is nuts. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's okay to give props to the guys that you hate yeah. if it's due. All right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if it's due praise, yes. So we're, we're going to have some fun today. Get those tweets in. Get those questions, comments, concerns, reaction. At yeah. Wesley Euler. At the body 52 the body you know we We're didn't just even embracing debate all week i'm trying to think too man so after we get out of those top two though man who, who are you going cincinnati or baltimore after that uh, if we're talking true edge rushers i think i'm gonna go baltimore right because now, that why would... is that i know they have what judon yeah i like judon 
It's I not just, improving after I, that, though. Because right for Cincinnati, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Dunlap normally lines up as an edge guy, so, and Atkins lines up on the inside. So yeah, this is the situation. They were a 4-3 for the last 10 years. And they started transitioning and last year, And they just year, right? went to a 3-4 okay. last year. So now, whereas Dunlap was a traditional 4-3 DN, think Miles Garrett, Geno Atkins was your three technique, think uh, Gerald McCoy. Mm-hmm. Now they're playing a 3-4, so Dunlap and Atkins are like two it in cam right now. Okay. You see what I mean? So, so they're playing on the interior. Correct. Whereas their edge yeah. rushers now would be Sam Hubbard and uh, was it Jermaine Pratt? Yeah. And yeah. I like Sam Hubbard, but I he, I don't like him like that. I don't like. He was drafted <laughs> to be a hand in the dirt guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing was this: they flirted with having Dunlap stand up some, but that's not Dunlap's game. And he's he's been in the NFL for what eight or nine years? Yeah, that's, that's the that definition of like asking an old dog yes. to learn new tricks. That is not his game, and he is a hand in the ground, come off the edge guy. Yeah. That's why the way their personnel is yeah. laid out right now, I'm definitely going Baltimore. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Solely because of Judon. Right. Uh, when we look at the names Dunlap and Atkins, they're way more accomplished oh, no. than anybody that the Ravens Question. have, right? I mean, those two guys yeah. have been studs for a long time. And, and the thing was this. If we were talking a year ago where they were in a 4-3, I would still take Dunlap over the Ravens right I now. I think so, too. As a true 4-3 edge <laughs> rusher. But now with him moving interior, it's a different conversation. But the flip side is when we do talk interior D-Lyman, that's going to be a very, very formidable tandem between Dunlap and Atkins. Mm-hmm. So that might take the kill well, of them and the Steelers. Hey. That will be in, it'll be the other Ohio team. Hey, that we're debating it's with. going to be interesting, bro. Oh my gosh! But we're agreeing too much here so far through the oh, first twenty man. minutes of the show. All right. So what do you what do you say we get into some running backs? I like the, it on the other side here. Maybe we'll get into some spirited. Oh man, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Running back day today, right? In this our continuing theme, every week we're settling certain debates once and for all. And our topic du jour today, who is the greatest running back Uh in the storied history of the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise? We embrace debate next. Inside the Electric Factory, this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Running back day inside the electric factory on this Wednesday afternoon. Arthur Motes, Wesley Every Euler. Every day's a Wednesday. Every day's a win. All we do is Wednesday. All right, Arthur Motes. Real quick, actually, side question for you. Okay, side answer then. Is it fair to say that the three positions we've picked first, ah, uh, no, because see, linebacker. The most storied, where I was going with this, was the most storied positions, right? The most talent-rich positions in the history of the Steelers mm-hmm. franchise. Wide receiver, running back, mm-hmm. defensive line, linebacker. Yeah. So, we're, we're, I mean, we're just getting right into it here. Yeah. We're just getting right into it here. Arthur Motes, it's running back day. And I had to go back and listen to the end of the podcast yesterday, right? Because yeah. I got home and I was like, wait a second. What do we – we said running backs, right? And I had to double check. And See, I, I write on. it down every time. As soon as we got to go, I'm like, let me save this now. So that's my opportunity to plug the podcast real quick. Steelers Blitz, wherever you get your podcast, you can find our show there. Commercial free on demand mm-hmm. every single day. All right, Arthur Motes, once and for all, let's settle this for good. Who is the greatest running back 
in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Oh, it sounds surprised. Yes, you hit me with the let's do a top ten. I don't know what we're doing today. Are we doing a top ten, a top five, a top three? Like, how you want to do this, man? You let me know. I went five deep today. Jeez. How deep did you go? Just one? We we good. We're good. Did you go ten deep? We're good. Did you you went ten deep? Dude, all I said was we're good, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Man, Mochi, there are some. Just like with defensive linemen, just like with wide receivers, there are some names. Franco, Rocky, mm-hmm. Lev Bell, Fast Willie, Bussy, Jerome Bettis. We've been fortunate to have mm-hmm. some really good rock toters here in Pittsburgh. But Arthur Motz, who's the greatest one to ever wear the black and gold? No, you really ask me like I'm about to go first. You know better than that. Come on, uh, man. This man is always, you know. Uh-uh. You know, listen, when I was in... Home court sh- advantage, man. Come on, baby. Yeah. Not his rose. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. I guess we'll keep a tradition mm-hmm. here, right? Um, but, you know, uh, when I was in Sunday school, Arthur Motes, as a kid, you know, a Sunday school teacher one time shared a, with us a, a passage from the Bible where it talks about being selfless, mm-hmm. you know, and it says, okay. those who are first shall be last, and those who are last shall be first. So I see what you're doing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, letting, you're letting me go first all these times so that one day when you and I are in heaven, you know, up up, up in the sky yeah. together they, one day. They'll let me in the gates they'll, first. They'll let you in first. Yeah. I, see what, I see what you're doing here. It's a good strategy by you. <laughs> Arthur Motes, again, I parse this two different ways. And greatness, Uh-oh. and in just pure the best talent I've ever uh, seen. Right? Look at you trying to double it up. I like no, it. I'm just being honest. You're hedging your bet. It's cool. I I'm like just it. Being honest. It's cool. Speaking of hedging my bet, <laughs> Arsenal plus 800 today at three Ooh, o'clock. Man, that's worth a five buck chuck. All right, I might need to hop in that then. Arthur Motes, the greatest keyword, greatest running back in Pittsburgh Steelers history mm-hmm. is Franco Harris. Now I can already hear a lot of people screaming. Franco was a fullback. In the 70s, it was a fullback. All right, what we think of today. A person that gets the ball. A person that carries the lion's if, share if, if of you the get 2,881 attempts, you are a running back. I don't care what they label you as. They could yeah. call you a split in, a flanker, a tailback. A, 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 tailback. a wingback. It don't matter. 2,881 touches, you are a running back. Period. Thank you. Period. Thank you. And in those over 2,000 touches, Franco Harris accomplished oh, almost 12,000 rushing yards, 50 yards shy of 12K, 91 rushing touchdowns. He played in 165 games in the black and gold. Of course, a four-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl nine MVP. He was the offensive rookie of the year his rookie season, his freshman campaign in 1972. He's been an all-pro. He was a nine-time Pro Bowler mozi I think when that was a thing that still held some weight when it wasn't just a popularity contest like it is nowadays. Uh, and, of course, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. mozi when you look at the team success, the individual milestones, the longevity, longevity I mean, for five straight seasons, six, wait, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79. Six straight seasons, Franco had over 1,000 yards rushing. It's Franco Harris. That's what it is? Yep. The guy who, mind you, if you were paying attention to the uh, the, the, the clip that we were playing before we went on air, right? Stan oh, yeah, Severance yes. conversation with Absolutely. Franco Harris. Franco Harris didn't want to be dra- – I mean, he did not make any bones about this. He was he was the Penn State guy. He did not want to go to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, an organization mm. that, you know, had had their struggles throughout the 60s. This is true. But I think it worked out pretty well for him, Arthur Motes, to the tune of the greatest rock mm. toter. Mm. 
in franchise history. The greatest, huh? The greatest. Huh? I didn't say best. The greatest, huh? I said the greatest. Okay, all right. So I'll see what you want me to do today. Okay. See, I ain't want to go here with you today. Oh, let's do I it. I thought we were going to be on the same page here. Oh, let's do it. I was trying to keep everybody nice, keep the energy positive. But you got to go out here and say some outlandish stuff like this now, baby. Come on now. First off, Franco. Franco's my guy. Had a chance to, you know, interact with him numerous times, man. Legendary guy in the game. Not even close. Legend. But we all know we're talking the greatest Steeler running back. The greatest. It's the bus. Jerome Bettis. I mean, first off, I understand you want to read off all these numbers, and that's cute. That's cute. But you realize that your boy, Franco, played, what, 20 more games? 20 more games? And them numbers are not that far off, baby, in terms of rushing yards. What, 1,100 for, for uh, close to 1,200 for your guy? I'm at 1057 for mine. You had 91 tugs. I had 71 touchdowns. But, 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 your boy had 90 fumbles. You just going to leave that off, huh? You gonna you hey, carrying you know our hopes and hey, dreams? Yeah, he wasn't carrying the. See, now you're gonna make. See, you always do this. Uh, what, 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 let, you, let me hear. When you pick uh, me go, against go ahead. you, you go make, ahead. You make me say uh -huh. bad things about Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh -huh. You try and play this yeah. where you make me help see, me, and then I'm gonna get the whole audience mad at you, me. You, ninety fumbles, ninety fumbles. Okay, I know, I mean, you, maybe, you know, maybe he is a fullback. Boss maybe, security issues. You're right. Maybe Mr. he is. Mr. Rooney might be driving around right now. He's gonna listen to this and he's gonna think I'm some Jerome hater because you've done this to me. I'm just saying, man. You want to talk about ball security? He only got How 28. How many times did Franco Harris fumble at the goal line in a playoff game? Clearly, your boy fumbled a lot more than mine. Oh, Tw 28 talk, to 90? You want to talk 90? about fumbles when you're bringing in Jerome Bettis, who has arguably the most famous 90? fumble in NFL history. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, when That's I talked to Jerome, I talked to Jerome about this, actually. I had him as a guest on my podcast. And it was fun. I said, you know what? Talk to me about that fumble, man. What happened? And he said, you know what? I knew this was an opportunity to help Ben Roethlisberger become a legend. <laughs> this is going to be an opportunity to catapult Ben's career to let people know that he's a team-first guy. And even though he gets paid to throw touchdowns, he will still make a tackle. And that was the only reason he fumbled. He said, I could have scored. And, of course, people would have loved me and carried me off the field. But you know what? I wanted to do something for somebody else. I wanted to put the team first. I wanted to put Big Ben first. And that's why he fumbled. So if only 27 legit fumbles in one you know, I call it a Brett Favre style fumble where you intentionally do it. I'm not tripping on that. But explain these 90 from your boy Franco. 90. It's a lot of fumbles. 90. It's Was he playing in the rain every day with sleeves on? What's going on? Did the ball have butter on it? Help me. 90? 90? Well, you know, much defenses were just better back then. Not a chance. 90? That's a problem. A and, then, and, then, and, then, and then I say this, man. When we look at just career standpoint, we talk about, obviously, Bussy as a Pittsburgh Steeler. But you realize his first two years, he had 1,400 rushing yards his rookie year, then 1,000 the next year. I mean, well, now, hold on. Hold on Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I want to do that. I want to do that. Yesterday, yeah. we were looking yeah. at Steelers stats only. Now you want to put non-Steelers stats into I'm the conversation. I'm just throwing it out there. That's it. I'm just throwing it out there, baby. Hmm. Mm. Which is, you're right, more proof. Mm. Kevin Green, best pass rusher to ever wear the black and gold. Oh, I told you, I don't, I don't got an issue with that. <laughs> I don't have an issue with that at all, man. I, I said, hey, look, I told you why I was going to go with Debo. That's my dog. But I, I, I did not have one single issue with that. But when you are trying to tell me that Jerome Bettis is not the best, still a running back all the time, the greatest all the time, that's where we got an issue. And like I said, it hurts my heart to have to do this to Franco because I like Franco. I know, you're making me do this to Bussy. I like Franco. 
But I'm looking, I'm like, these numbers are not that far off. Touchdowns and yards. And, and like you said, your boy, he played 20 more games as a Steeler. Had what? I think this is what, almost uh, what, 120, almost 200 uh, more attempts and everything like that as well. And I'm like, from a touchdown standpoint, it's not that much of a difference. But, boy, that ball security, boy, you would have thought he played 10 more seasons with all them fumbles. Jeez Louise. Help me. Help me. It's a good point by you. Mm-mm-mm. It's a good point by you. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, because even yards per carry, 4.1 versus 3.9, that's not, not far off. Yards difference. per game, 72.4 to 72.9. We right there. Both of them got hardware. Both of them gold jacket guys. Both of them got all pros. And Franco does have three times the amount of receiving touchdowns that Bussy had. And, and that's completely fine. I, th- I thought it was a different – I thought you said they don't throw the ball back then. I thought you said it was just run, run, you run, run, run. You know what? It's funny, actually. That, that wasn't something I looked at until now. If you would have gone to my head say, who caught more receiving yeah. touchdowns in their career, Franco or, or Bussy, I would have mm-hmm. said Bussy for sure. Yeah. No, I like the fumble. The fumble aspect is a good That's one a by you. Again, element, I'm, 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 I'm turning for my shoulder. For a running back, though, for I'm, a running back. It is. You're right. For and a I'm, running back. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the benefit of the doubt that Jerome Bettis had arguably the most famous fumble in NFL and history. That's, and that's completely fine. But he only had 28 of them. That's the, you're right on that. That ball security Do you, do you realize how huge. many fumbles 90 is? Like, like just, just get 90 pennies and just line them up. And then you line up 28 pennies. And just look at how much of a difference that is. Think about how many. T- Imagine well, if, if we had. The, if you just look at it in terms of pure games, mm-hmm. Franco was fumbling once every other game. That, I wow. mean, that is, that's a very, that's very alarming. high ratio. If you look at it for Jerome Bettis, he was fumbling once every four, four games. Four or five, yeah. But yeah. the thing that's crazy is this, though, and, and I do feel like this does still go into to how great Franco is and mm-hmm. why, for me, he's number two on my list, is because when I look at a guy that fumbled 90 times, traditionally, think about if you fumble 90 times. You think that guy's going to get a lot of opportunities? No. You're getting up out of here. I'm not putting That's you on the true. field again. You're not t- You're not touching the ball if you're fumbling once a game. Like, you know how confident we were that Le'Veon was never going to fumble the ball? Because for three years, we never saw him put the ball on the ground. Never! It's a good point by you. So, Franco must have really been like, like you to leave him on the field. Dude! Especially with Rocky Blyer there, like, too. Like, That's crazy! Even though, even spirit, though, this is a spirit. Even event. though, when we do talk Rocky, though, something about the running back. Rocky had thirty-two in the fumbles too, baby. Yeah, dog. I mean, that must have just been a thing back then. Yeah, I don't know. They they didn't really care about ball security. <laughs> I'm like, man, but Franklin had ninety. I've, that's unheard of, bro. Unheard. Of. Think about if, bro. Imagine if James Conner was fumbling once a game. Just think about that. Put it in layman's. If James Conner was fumbling one time per game, do you really think he would be the starter this year nope. or next year? Nope. Do you really think we'll be talking about, oh, yeah, we love James Conner, man. Get him back out there, man. No. Nope. <laughs> this is insane. It is crazy. Uh, King Dusty here on Twitter says, no, Wes, the butt fumble is the most famous fumble in the Oh, <laughs> you are right. Yes. Thank That's you. Thank you. The butt fumble is legendary. That's a good one. The butt fumble is legendary. All right, so I mean, you know, we, I like this. I say Franco, Moat says Bussy. What say you? You know where to find us on Twitter. And how do we feel about the rest of some of these names? Right? We haven't even talked about Lev Bell yet, Willie Parker. We got to talk a little more about Rocky. There's some other names on here too that deserve at least a mention. So we'll get to that on the other side here. Oh baby, running back day on the program. We're fired up. Having some fun. Get those tweets in. We'll roll along here, wrap up the first hour of the show when we return. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I see you sticking with the theme, huh? 90s music, mm-hmm. 90 fumbles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you're doing here. Keep it going. <laughs> I tell you what, I think that's the first time you've ever brought us in from a segment, and that's gonna be t- I don't know if you ever topped that one. I mean, that's like you just had your first at bat, you hit a grand slam, you can only go down from there. I just had to, it just felt right. I was like, oh yeah, the timing is perfect, let's do it. That's good. That's good. I tell you what, folks, Arthur Motes, he's getting good at this, he's getting good at this radio thing, I tell you what. If you've been rocking with us, you know that's the day of running back debate here on the show. If you're just joining us, we've been doing this kind of once and for all settling debate things this week. Again, we're in that gold rushing for content stage, right, of the sports calendar. We are now over three months without sports in America. Team sports (laughs) in America. With all due respect to NASCAR and golf, I'm talking of the major sports leagues, right, NFL, NBA, NHL. Major League Baseball, although one of those four could go away, and I mean, I wouldn't be that sad. Mm. Go away? Where has it been? Who? Huh? Are there modes? Who plays a game next? The MLB or the NFL? The NFL, if I'm taking bets. I think so, too. <laughs> can, can I put my eyes down now? Let me get the money down now, man. <laughs> So, Arthur Motes, uh, you know, came with some some fire in the last segment. 90 fumbles for Franco Harris. If you look at his career games played, that's essentially a fumble every other game. That is not great ball security. That that's, is, that's alarming ball that's security. That's alarming coughing up the rock. So, for that, he argues Jerome Bettis in terms of our greatness. Uh, Acropolis here, as I'm just going to throw out random Greek words and, ra- and random <laughs> Greek statues and buildings as we go along and talk about greatness. Arthur Motes, I think we both agree on number three. I think we'll agree on that. All right, who you have at number three? I got Lev Bell. Absolutely. Okay, we're yeah. good. We're good. We're and good. And again, so this is, this is in the greatness <laughs> conversation, right? So, man, I know you could argue some things like, hey, like, you know, Willie Parker was a two-time Super Bowl champion and had the longest run in Super Bowl history. And then look at what Rocky Blyer did. And I know there's, there's some other names in there. But, dude, it's Lep Bell. I mean, two-time All-Pro. In 62 games, he had 35 rushing touchdowns. That doesn't even include his receiving numbers. Oh, yeah, receiving numbers are just crazy compared to everyone else. And I've said this for a long time. Arthur Motes has said it, and it means a lot more coming from him because he was in that locker room. On an offense in those years, the Killer B era, mm-hmm. that included the best wide receiver in football, that had a future Hall of Fame quarterback, that had an offensive line that has Pouncey and DeCastro <laughs> and Ramon Foster, just some incredible guys. Lev Bell was the, was the catalyst of that offense. He was the straw that stirred the drink. Mm-hmm. He was the MVP on just an incredibly loaded unit. I, I think kind of... This is where we draw the line. I think it's these three guys, and then we could start talking afterwards. Yeah, without a doubt, man. When you look at what Elbel was able to do in his 62 games, <laughs> 62 games as a Steeler, man. Like you said, the, the the touchdowns, the rushing yardage, the receiving yards, that's the crazy part. When you look at him compared to Franco and uh, Bussy, you're just like, dude, he, he played not even half the amount of games that they played. And his numbers are either better or just as good as both of those guys. Like, it's crazy to me, man. But the thing that I love is Mr. Ball Security. (laughs) 
62 this, games. This works out well with the conversation that we had in the last segment. Put it in context, 62 games. My man had eight fumbles. Eight in 62 games. I mean, you think about Bussy with 28 fumbles. We talked about the most iconic fumble and all that. But then we talk about Franco with his 90. You talk about ball security. You talk about a guy who you knew you never had to worry about him putting that ball on the ground. That was L. Bell. He had two pro uh, all pros, and it was clear at his time where he was viewed as the best running back in the league. Like yes. it, it, that, that was that. Yep, it was clear. And then I was, like I said, I just look at his receiving yards too, though. Man, what through his career, three thousand receiving yards, three hundred seventy-eight <laughs> uh, catches. Oh man, eight touchdowns. Like this is crazy. This is legit crazy mm-hmm. compared to Jerome, who what over a uh, 13 year career, he's at 1,400 receiving yards. 1,400 receiving yards. Yeah. Put well, it in context, man. Yeah. Lev Bell in five seasons with the Steelers had over 2,600 receiving yards. Dude, this is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and then, uh, like you said, you, you, uh, we, we uh, talked about how Franco. He had, he had almost a 900 yard receiving season. Look, we talked about how Franco <laughs> has more receiving yards between Franco and Bussy. Franco only had 2,200 for the Steelers. 2,200 career. What Lev Bell did in 2014, if you you look at it on paper, is insane. 290 carries for over 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns. 83 receptions, 854. And three more touchdowns. Dude, he almost went 1,000-thousand. That's nuts. That is nuts. That's That's insane. While while scoring 11 touchdowns in the process. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Arthur Motes, not fumbling the ball (laughs) one time. Zero fumbles, as listen, in nada, as listen, in nothing, as in zip, as in Z-E-R-O, li- listen, zero. Listen, confession. So that was my first year in Pittsburgh, and I told you in 13, we had already seen L. Bell, but he was heavier. He didn't look like that. So when I came here, I was sitting here trying to figure out, is this the same running back from the previous year, or is this a new guy? Because I'm like, yo, I've never seen any, like, first starting in practice, and then you would just see it in the games. You're like, oh, this is out of control right now, like, it didn't matter where he was getting the ball. You knew he was going to make a play. And sure enough, man, you look at the numbers, bro. You look at him. He was the guy. I mean, dude. And what? Let's see. One, two, three, four. He had, like you said, one fumble his first three years. Then <laughs> then on his off year in 16, he had four fumbles. And then in 17, he had three fumbles. Mind you, in, we 17, was in crazy. 17, he had 321 carries. Right. Oh. Dude, 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 no, no, no. Think about this. He had over 400 touches. Because he had 85 receptions. 400 touches. 400 times he had the ball in his hand. He only fumbled it three times. That's crazy. That means it was, he was averaging a fumble every roughly 110 touches. Dude. That's, that's nuts. That's insane. That's nuts. Yeah. Arthur Moach, which is why, too, with all this that we've just discussed, if we change this conversation, to right, greatest. if we pivot. No, I mean, oh, best. To, to the best. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. Lev Bell is the Absolutely. best, most talented Absolutely. running back to ever wear the black and gold. Absolutely. If we take off the personal feelings, yeah. take off all what the media tried to make it into and all that other stuff. And the team accolades and I all that say, stuff take just all in all terms dude, of pure talent. Dude, it's not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> he, is, he is a unique specimen, and it's sad that over the last two years we've kind of forgotten that and missed out on that. Yeah, man. Because this dude was, man, I'm telling you, it, just just Google Lev Bell's stats and look at his five years in Pittsburgh on paper. It is insane. 
It's it, it's nuts. This dude was averaging over four yards a carry. This dude is averaging over, let's see here, over five yards of reception. Like it, What he was able to do for a few years, again, on an offense that was already loaded with talent, where there were plenty of mouths to feed. Absolutely. He had to share. Ridiculous. He had to share. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. I, wow. 406 touches in 2017. 373 touches in 2014 as a 22-year-old. Let's, you know what, Mozi? Let's look here for comparison. All right? Let's look here for comparison. As a 22-year-old, 372 touches. Uh, in that same age bracket, Franco Harris had 201 touches. Sorry, Jerome Bettis had 201 touches at that same age. At that same age, Franco Harris had 209 touches. Lev Bell, 373. <laughs> he, he was the definition of a bell cow, Mozi. Bro, this I, is different. I don't know if we'll ever see another guy like that in Pittsburgh, at least not... One that, like Lev Bell was, a second-round draft pick who you said had the complete bust. Yes. It's not like they drafted Zeke Elliott or Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley. We've talked about this before. Steelers fans and people around the NFL were screaming, why did you take Eddie Lacy there? They, they, everybody wanted Lacy. Everyone yeah. wanted Lacy. I've told you this before, Arthur Motes. If you want to have some fun Steelers fans, go on Twitter, all right? Put up in the Twitter search, Steelers Lacy Bell. All right, and then go to the filter and search by year 2013 and just look at some of the tweets. Dude, I didn't know you could even do that on you can. Twitter, actually. You can, because Jeez. you know me. I love to pull receipts on Twitter, especially when it, like, people, when it comes to people. You're going to have to show I don't me like. that one. That's, that's I crazy. I used to, Arthur Motes, in 2016, mm-hmm. when uh, Lev Bell had his second All Pro season. Yes. I may or may not have gone back and clapped at some of those people on Twitter. Ah, and there was okay, there was okay. even there was a prominent Packers fan who was like, Oh, thank you, Pittsburgh Steelers, for allowing us to get Eddie Lacey when you took Lev Bell. Oh, and you know man. what the you know what the defense was was wow, you're you're creepy going back and finding my tweets from three years uh, ago. Oh, nah, I keep said, that hey, same energy, I man. Said, hey man, you put it out of there on the internet, it's there forever. Yeah. It's, right? it's no different than Google. If you said your bad take on TV three years yeah. ago, it's the same thing. <laughs> Lev Bell, just wow. I mean, just wow, Arthur Motes. And I think my other uh, hot take is, in terms of the the best conversation here that Steelers fans might not want to hear, Rashard Mendenhall is in that top five. Mm. I think he's probably fifth. I think he's fifth behind Willie Parker, behind Lev Bell, behind Bussy, behind Franco. But, dude, Mendenhall had a 1,300-yard rushing season in Pittsburgh. I know – uh, maybe we talk about fumbles. Maybe Mendenhall's is more famous amongst oh, Steelers fans man. than Bettis is. I get it, and I get that when he left town, he threw some people on the bu- under the bus and yes. he said some – I get all that dislike. But the dude had a 1,300-yard rushing season when Willie Parker was still on the roster. This is true. Rashard Mendenhall was very talented when, when he was still healthy and still going for the Steelers. Maybe that's the – the hot take that would really make a lot of people angry. But, yeah, Motsi, I'm glad we're on the same page. In terms of talent, starts with a Le'Veon, ends with a bell. And it's not even close. <laughs> so, Arthur Motes, I'm glad that we, you know, we disagreed at first and then we came back to it. So, to start the second hour, who's the best running back right now in the AFC North? Mm. Because there's some good ones. Whoa. There's some good ones. Oh, man, we'll have to discuss. There's some good ones that are uh, kind of uh, different kinds of running backs, too. This is true. This could be a fun discussion. We'll start our number two with that right there. Who right now is the best running back in the Steelers division, the AFC North? One hour in the books. 
60 more minutes to go. Keep rocking with us inside the Electric Factory. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we do? I feel like I'm 90. Well, that's good. I don't. I feel great. I feel like I'm in my late 20s. <laughs> Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, rocking with you here on a Wednesday afternoon, rolling along with our uh, topic du jour running backs in the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise history. Again, if you've missed any of the first hour of conversation that you want to rehash, re-listen to, Get it on a podcast on demand wherever you get your podcast. Just search Steelers Blitz. That is Blitz with a Z. Arthur Motes, we got a ton of tweets rolling in here. I'm excited to get to those. But first, we got to wrap up this running back discussion, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right about that, babe. So you know what, Arthur Motes? I've gone first with all these debates, all these discussions yeah, we've had. Yeah, that's not supposed to be. Now, it's, now, I think it's your turn now, all right? We got to take turns, you know? Like, remember when you were a kid? You got to no, take turns. I don't remember that at all. Actually, my childhood's kind of fuzzy now that I think about it. I don't remember anything that happened back then. Who's yeah. the best running back in the AFC North and Mozi? There's some good ones. The best running back in the AFC North. There are some good ones, but ah, here's my dilemma. Here's my debate. Actually, it's not a dilemma. It's not a debate. <laughs> I'm going Nick Chubb, bro. Nick Chubb is the best back. I, I think, man, obviously his productivity speaks for itself. 1,400 rushing yards, eight touchdowns last year. I mean, he, he's very, very productive. And you have to think he did that while still sharing some of the load with the Kareem Hunt in the later, latter part of the year. And that was only his second year in the league. His first year, he still went for 996 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, man. Ball security has never been an issue. He had zero fumbles his first year, three this past season. I mean, but you talk about a guy that's very productive and very productive on the offense that at the time we talked about Baker Mayfield was struggling. Baker did not look good. So when you factor in all those things, I definitely think Nick Chubb is the is the best running back in the uh, AFC North right now. But I don't think Joe Mixon is too far off. And honestly, this is my dilemma because Joe Mixon, his past, I mean, his past two years. It's been over a thousand yards. It's been over a thousand. With not much help. Not at all. And he didn't fumble at all either the past two years. Which is big for you. Absolutely. I love ball security. <laughs> I mean, receiving yards, steady, consistent, right around that 300 uh, receiving yards area, mm-hmm. 30 to 40 catches. Mm-hmm. So that's my biggest dilemma. I just think, man, uh, I feel like I'm torn, man. I honestly am. I'm with you. I think it's between those two. Because Joe Mix reminds me of a more athletic Le'Veon. Whereas Nick Chubb, hmm. I just know he he's interesting. He's just gonna get it. A more athletic Le'Veon. Oh, absolutely, wow. absolutely. Not even close. That's absolutely. high. That's high praise there for Joe Mixon. But we've been saying that though. We we listen. When Joe first came in, everybody was mad, you know, because the Oklahoma thing, the video came out. We it. did that, and, and that's and like I said, he's in the Miles Garrett category. Miles Garrett category. I'm not about to ask him to watch my kids. He's not coming over for dinner, but the man can ball. We do. We can all agree upon that. We can. And, and when I tell you certain things, man, like we see Le'Veon and Le'Veon, this is peak Le'Veon we're talking about. Because remember, that was the whole debate. Oh, man, well, who's the better guy? Le'Veon and Joe Mixon. We like, yo, Le'Veon, that's our guy. We riding with him. But trust, it's, it was a difference when you on the field against Joe. Yeah. Then with Le'Veon. Le'Veon, he just, I feel like Le'Veon has a better feel 
of setting up his runs, hmm. finishing his runs, and things like that. Making but, something out of nothing. Correct. And he also had a better supporting cast around him. Whereas with Joe, we knew, okay, if AJ's healthy, AJ Green's healthy, we got to worry about that. But when he's not healthy, we're just going to key in on you. But when I tell you that dude, man, like he was special. Fast, big, strong, athletic, cut, do everything you need. Yeah. Like I think he would be scary. Like I'm excited to see how he looks. With a Joe Burrow at quarterback, a T. Higgins, healthy A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd. I think we would really get a chance to see how special Joe can be when he doesn't have to face a packed box. I mean, when Ryan Finley's your quarterback, bro, I hate to say it, I'm not worried about playing the ca- I'm not worried about playing the pass. Because I don't think you could beat me. Right. I'm stacking this box. And that's what he dealt with last year. And he still had over eleven hundred yards rushing. And almost three hundred yards receiving. In total, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns last yeah, year. I so for everything that you just said, I give Joe Mixon the slight edge, and I think that's you know I'm why. changing my mind. I'm going Joe Mixon. Hey, there we go. There I was go. I already wanted to initially, and I was like, well, you know, Chubb, Chubb, nah, bro. I just if if Joe Mixon if Joe dog. Mixon was playing with a OBJ and a Landry, bro, oh, it'd be crazy. And even as much as I don't like him, we've laid that out. I think we can all agree Baker Mayfield is much better than what the Bengals were working with yeah. at quarterback last oh, without a doubt, season. Man. I give those, I give, I give Mixon the slight edge over Chubb. I think though the real question is Motsi is after those two because I think most people would agree that those guys are one and two. Yes, yes. Who's number three? Because <sighs> there's still some ta- there's still some talented names sitting out there. There's Ingram. There's Hunt. There's Connor. <sighs> I'm, pro- I'm probably forgetting somebody too. There's somebody from the Ravens that I'm forgetting too besides Ingram. No, 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 uh, J.K. Dobbins, the rookie. Oh, and, that's true. Then, we're not gonna, um, yeah, we're not going to count him because yeah, he, hasn't take, him, he hasn't yeah. taken a snap at the NFL level yet. Yeah. I'm probably going to go Mark Ingram. I mean, he still had 1,000 last year. And over the past four years, three of those years, he's went over 1,000 yards. Consistently scores double digits. I mean, what, 10 touchdowns last year, 60 before that, 12 the year before that. Ball security, top notch, two fumbles last year, three the year before that, three the year before that. Yeah. Mark Ingram's had a really nice career. Oh, no question. Really nice career. No question. You talk about a guy that's been consistent. It kind of has uh, went against the, the myth of Alabama running backs not yeah. being able to have long-term success. Henry, yeah, yes, indeed, man. He definitely is in that vein. I still can't believe that he was the first ever Heisman winner at Alabama. That is, is insane. Nuts. Think about the history of that program. It was 2008 before they had a Heisman winner. That's crazy. They had like 11 national championships, but no Heisman winner. That's crazy. And think about how many first-round draft picks they've had as well. Mm-hmm. That's nuts, man. Yeah, especially at that position, too. Yeah. yeah just, He's I can't, had a really, I can't, nice, really nice career. I can't put James over, uh, over Mark. I just can't, man. It's hard for me, too. Like, Kareem Hunt's hard to judge, too. Well, Kareem he had such a great rookie year in Kansas City. But then, obviously, but since then, some things played into that. Yeah, yeah. And last year in Cleveland, he played in eight games, less than 200 yards rushing, less than 300 yards receiving. Now, I obviously expect him to have more of a role in that offense Correct. this season. But he's he's just tough to judge because his rookie year in Kansas City was so impressive. But the last two years, for a lot of different reasons, have just yeah. 
been unknown. Because well, I think, honestly, man, him and James are kind of in that same boat of having one year that was really good, mm-hmm. even though I think Kareem's one year was better than James's. Oh, 1,300 rushing yeah. yards, <laughs> eight touchdowns uh, on the ground, three touchdowns receiving, over 450 yeah. receiving Whereas yards as at, a rookie. That's And that's when you look time. at James' best year, you could say it was his rookie year because it was his first year as the guy, as the running back. 973, uh, 973 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. From a receiving standpoint, uh, he almost had pretty much 500 receiving yards. So those were good numbers and things like that. But like you said, comparing that to Kareem Hunt, I'm like, dude, that's that's filthy. Can I ask you a total side question here? All right, if you only want a total side answer. The 2017 Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. How in the heck did the Marcus Mariota Tennessee Titans go into Arrowhead Stadium and beat that team in the playoffs? They play defense, man. <laughs> that's true. They, they did, think about this. The Chiefs just started playing defense last year. That's true. The AFC Championship game where they lost to the Patriots, bro, their defense was trash, which was why they went out and spent all that money on defense. They Remember, they went and got Frank Clark. They, then they went and got uh, uh, Tyron Matthew. Like That's when they started making upgrades on the defense side of the ball, man. Prior to that year, man, they had they would always have pass rushers between Tom Bahali and Justin Houston. They would always have those type of guys. But the rest of their defense, and, uh, and, and Derek Johnson was the linebacker. But mm-hmm. other than that, bro, defensively, they were always trash. So they could score with anyone, but they couldn't stop you from scoring. That was the problem. Yeah, they uh, only scored 55 more points, and they gave up that whole season, yeah, which like, is nuts when you look that's at their issue. You know what's crazy, too, about that team is that Patrick Mahomes was sitting on the bench the whole season. Think about it. <laughs> and they were still putting yeah. up numbers like that. Mm-hmm. Man, that guy, Andy Reid, he's, he's an offensive oh, guru, yeah. that guy, Andy Reid. Arthur Motes, it's been a fun running back discussion today. Hey, man, you got to have that sometimes, A lot of man. different angles. We have a ton of tweets here that we're going to get to. But first, we got to take a break here when we come back. Best of the West, all right? So we're going we're gonna to do some shuffling here. We're going to take a break a few minutes earlier here than we normally would so that we can have a few minutes extra at the end of the yes. show because our participation today has been outstanding. We got some interesting things to debate as it goes in terms of this running back conversation. So get those tweets in at Wesley Euler at the body 52 The body. Best of the West up next. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We'll get back to the running back debate here in just a few minutes, but it's a Wednesday, and that means a couple things here on the program. One of them, of course, is Best of the West Wednesday. Real simple concept. Normally during the season, right, it's Arthur Motes and I... Arthur Motes and I's power rankings of the top 10 teams in the National Football League in our most humblest of opinions. But during the offseason, we switch it up a little bit. We like to get a little goofy, have a little bit of fun, laugh, talk about something other than football for just a few minutes. Like what? So, Arthur Motes, I present to you today best of the West. Now, remember, these are still sports related a lot of times, right? Like we did like our our top 10 favorite athletes last week. Um We've done what in these past few weeks? We've done top uh, summer uh, uh, quarantine uh, quarantine bench purses. We've done um, top aquatic vessels like jet skis and kayaks. If you could win a franchise, what it would be. Yep, yep. So, Arthur Motes, for today's Best of the West, I present to you. You could tell I was hungry this morning when I came up with this one. Best 
fast food breakfast. Ooh, Ooh Arthur Motzen. I've got five. Okay. All, All right. right. Okay. I like it. <sighs> We're gonna start at the top of the list here. Okay. Don't, don't we always with you? We always do. We always gotta start at the top of the list. Number one on my big board, best fast food breakfast in the game. You know what, Arthur Motes? They're kind of like um. Man, who would I compare him to? And now, for the first time in my life, words are escaping me. Who's Arthur Motes? Who's somebody in any in, in any industry that's new to the game but has kind of taken it over quickly? Hmm. Mm. Maybe like TikTok. Yeah, TikTok's new to the social media game, but man, they've blown up pretty quick. They've blown up. I wouldn't say they've taken over the game. That's true. <sighs> An example will come to me eventually, but okay. I'm talking, of course, about America's favorite redhead. Mm. Wendy's, baby. Oh, that Wendy's whoa, whoa, breakfast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, what? it just hits what? different. That Wh Wendy's fast food breakfast. Oh. I can see this is about to be a long segment right oh. here. Oh. I've had two, like, all the signatures. I've had the Baconator breakfast sandwich. I've had the chicken oh, breakfast wow. sandwich. I've had the honey bacon chicken. My man just oh. said Wendy's is number one the for breakfast. The eggs are so fresh. The potato slices, the little crisps that they give you, <sighs> are just perfectly seasoned with almost this, like, seasoned salt slash Old Bay type. Ooh, it's delicious. And then you can get the Frosty Chinos. Oh, it's like coffee and a Frosty had a baby, and it's just a perfect combination. Number one is Wendy's. Number two, I mean, come on. McDonald's, the classic, right? Motes the McMuffin? And I, Motes and I were talking about the McMuffins and the McGriddles and the McThis and the McThat and the Hash Browns and the... Listen, McDonald's is a, is a staple in this country. McDonald's, there's a reason why sometimes their drive through lines take longer time than others. It's this because is they're always packed. I've got the classic golden arches mm -hmm. at number two. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, though, at all. You can't. Absolutely not. They got something for everybody. They Even the... Uh, they have like the hotcakes trays. Yeah. You know, with the with the pancake. Even if eggs at breakfast sandwiches aren't your thing, you can still get the hotcake trays. McDonald's, number two. Number three, Chick-fil-A. Oh, mean, yes. I mean, you know I couldn't get much farther without putting Chick-fil-A put Chick without putting Chick-fil-A up on here. I mean, come on. Those biscuits and that chicken fresh in the morning. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. And Arthur Moach, you know what puts Chick-fil-A high up on this list too? Okay, let me hear it. They have good coffee. Mm. You know, that's that's I've actually never had the coffee. Really? Anytime I go there, I'm either getting the lemonade or I'm getting the milkshake. Ooh. It's one or the other. Doesn't matter what time of the day either. <laughs> that Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit. Oh, it's just, it's, man, the perfect little drizzle of honey, that fluffy little mm. biscuit. It's always quick. It's always fresh. I got Chick-fil-A at number three. Number four, Arthur Motes. Now, this is the one that I think is really going to... Uh, you know, ruffle some feathers, get the people fired up here. Uh-oh. Taco Bell. Yo Kiero Taco Bell, those breakfasts. They didn't even say Yo Kiero no more. The dog is gone. Well, I'm such an OG Taco <laughs> Bell fan that I still say it. That breakfast bacon crunch wrap. You kidding oh me? Oh, my gosh. Oh, is it a sandwich? Is it a slice of heaven? I don't know, but it's the flour tortilla Jeez. with the scrambled eggs, with the bacon, with the crispy hash browns. Talk about another late arriver to the breakfast game. They only got into it the last few years. Oh, wow. But, man, they have made a quick, quick <laughs> charge. 
Taco Bell at number four. Now number five here. I'm gonna step out of the box. All right, this might oh, now be. You're stepping out of the box now. Who were you calling this before? <laughs> this 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 might be um, a head scratcher for some. You might not have heard of it. More, because, more of a head scratcher because this fast food chain is only located in three states. Okay. All right, West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Okay. But those of you who have been blessed enough. Lucky enough to have breakfast from Tudor's Biscuit World. You know what I'm talking about. They only do breakfast at okay. Tudor's Biscuit World, Arthur Motes. It is a fast food breakfast place, and they just have the best breakfast sandwiches. These things are so honking big. You eat one, and you're filled up for, like, the next three okay. days, and they cost, like, three bucks. Like, you can get one of these huge sandwiches and a chocolate milk for like four dollars and fifty cents. A chocolate milk? What are we in fifth grade? <laughs> I love ch- I love chocolate milk for breakfast. I, I, man, I, I'm I still with you, that's man. one of my very still in fifth grade things. Jeez. I love chocolate milk for breakfast. All right, Mozi, there is nothing like a Tudor's biscuit breakfast sandwich. Okay, you know, before slugging down a bunch of beers on a Saturday in, in the blue lot at a Mountaineer tailgate. There's a lot of nostalgia with me on this one. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, Times that tutors might have cured my oh, my day man. after woes after a late night with some pops if you're catching my drift. All right, all right. At number five, Tudor's Biscuit World. So real quick, number one, Wendy's. Number two, McDonald's. Number three, Chick-fil-A. Number four, Taco Bell. Number five, oh, Tudor's. Man. That is my best of the West, best fast food. Remember, this is for breakfast. Yes. All right, Arthur Motes, here we go. Let's embrace. We're going to debate what this. We're going to debate this world. more than we're going to talk about the, uh, the running back I, I, stuff. I just like how you said, <laughs> I'm stepping out the box now. Now, after you even drop the Wendy's and Taco Bell for a top five breakfast place. Yeah, buddy. And this is fast just food. Just breakfast. fast food. Yeah. We're not talking yeah. about diners because right. that's so the case. Cracker obviously. Barrel doesn't count. Right, right. Because yeah. I was like, it's some, it's some spots in Buffalo that I was at that specifically breakfast and it's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And but, we could talk about like DeLuca's and Pamela's, Pamela's and correct. Pittsburgh. Oh. Yeah, so we said we're not doing that, but. They got to have a drive through window. Thank you. That's the, that's the kicker. Thank you. Yeah. But to, to, to simplify and to make it clear and let everybody know what the number one reigning, undisputed, undefeated breakfast fast food meal of the world. It is the Double Chris Sandwich from Burger King. Yes, you get it with sausage and bacon, egg and cheese. And I can tell you for a fact, it is to die for. I'm, man, listen, the croissant, the croissant, first off. Let, let's get yeah, bougie. Yeah, put a little friend. The, the, the croissant. Oh, all that, uh, como, como, you know what I'm All that, como ça. We're talking about the croissant, you know? Oui, oui, je m'appelle Otto et toi. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? When, when, when we talk about the croissant, it, it, it adds a level of mystique to it. It adds a level of exoticness to it. It's foreign. The same way you got your designer belts, your Gucci's, your Louis. You got designer breakfast right here with the croissant. Okay? Croissant. And the fact that they want to make it into a double croissant, meaning I can get best of both worlds because sometimes you want bacon, mm-hmm. but sometimes you want sausage. Mm-hmm. That's why I love the Wendy's Baconator because it's got both. But it doesn't have a croissant. <laughs> See, I, I'm trying to open your eyes a little bit. I'm trying to teach you about the guns and the butter. That's what I'm trying to teach you about. Okay. okay? This is a Picasso. This is a Rembrandt. This is the best of the best. This is a Basquiat right here. It hangs in the Louvre. Okay. Did I pronounce that right? I don't know. It sounded cool, though. Just it's roll another with it. a French, French Just museum. The Louvre. Just roll with it, man. So for me, that's why it's a clear. It's not even. Listen, I drive 20 minutes out the way to go get a croissant. croissant. A double croissant. Croissant. That's what I do. Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? Why are you driving over there? Bay. Bay. When you, when you taste this, you'll understand. 
I got undefeated. Be Hands down. Undefeated. And not to mention, I like the little circle hash browns they got, too. But that's for another debate, all right? And the little orange juice with the little box. That's like, it takes me back to my elementary Ooh. days. And I get to poke the hole with my straw. I'm like, yes. All right. So that's why that's number one. Number two. Number two. Come on, man. You, you know we got to go back to Old Faithful right here. We talking Mickey D's. We talking the sausage, egg, and cheese, mint griddle, baby. Got that little scissor on the, oh, my, the little scissor. Come on, baby. When you bite that bread, when you bite the bread in the scissor, just hit you. Like, oh, what is this? You can't have McDonald's rated any lower than number two. You it's just, not even close. You just can't. What? You just can't. What? But besides the nostalgia factor of it, you know what I mean? The consistency factor, I mean, the availability. For, for decades, it checks every box. It does. It is. Any equation. They, they the reason why it started as 24-hour fast food. Think about that. Mm-hmm. People were mad, man. I can't get over here by 1030, bro. I need you. I need an extra hour. I work the night shift. Come I want to get man. something at 2 a.m. on my break. Don't, don't, don't deprive me of this McGriddle. I need this awesomeness. They say, you mm-hmm. know, we'll get out 24 hours breakfast. Let's ride. That's mm-hmm. what Mickey D's did. Mm-hmm. They different. They special. They really are. That McGriddle hits the spot. Oh, it's it's a blue blood, you it know. Is. It's perfect. McDonald's breakfast, like Alabama football. It's, it's always, like the New York Yankees. It's always gonna you be. Can't there. go wrong with it, it's baby. Always gonna be there. Can't go wrong with it. That's America's breakfast, it's right the there. Meat and potatoes of breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it's the steak and taters of All breakfast. Right. So that's why the McGriddle's there at number two. Number three, I'm staying in the same family because before the McGriddle. They had just a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how the biscuit was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. How that biscuit, it took you back to, man, when you, you, you're in your mama's kitchen on Sunday after church, and she didn't got these biscuits, and it's just butter, oh, just buttermilk, and you're like, oh, my God, what is this? And he just throw the sausage and the cheese on that, a little egg. Like, gosh. I mean, it was so good that I would, I would enjoy the cheese getting stuck to the wrapper. You mm-hmm. remember that? And you take the wrapper oh, off, and you got to get the cheese out the wrapper. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where that started. So you're so high on McDonald's, you've got them in the second and the third Absolutely. position. Absolutely. What a, pa- what a power move by Arthur Absolutely, Mose. man. I can't help it. What a power move by hey, Arthur hey, 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 same family, man. Same family. That's the brother and the sister. All right? Same family. You got to roll with them, <laughs> baby. It's like, oh, I'm, I got Carl's Jr. and I got Hardy's. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, man, when you, when you have A-Rod and Derek Jeter on the same team, hey, you, you got to celebrate that, all right? You had Stephen Clay. You had KD. Absolutely, man. When you got a power team like that, you, hey, listen, you can't say Malkin without kid. Like, you got to have both of them together, baby. That's just how it rolls, all right? So that's why the McGriddle and the Biscuit, they in there together, okay? I dig it. Now, number four. You know I'm a Chick-fil-A guy now, baby. You know mm. me. If anyone knows you me, have Chick-fil-A on the list you too. know I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. And Chick-fil-A is definitely number four because that Chick-fil-A, I mean, that, that chicken biscuit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Listen, I was so happy. This one, I thought I was at a big-time university, right? Mm-hmm. So at JMU, we would take the bus everywhere. I'm talking, we took the bus mm. from Virginia to Ohio. It was eight and a half hours for a playoff game. We don't care. We will bus it. All right, we're going to bus it. We're going to have the DVD playing. And there is no no space. That was no first-class seats. No, 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 no. You, you in there. Yeah, yeah. You're lucky if you don't have a – you lucky if, coach seat. Listen, you're lucky if you single-seated. You right. might have a certain person sitting next to you, all right? right? Then good luck falling asleep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We got our little power when we check in. I would always get a red one because it tastes good. Then when I became a star, I got two. But they had Chick-fil-A Ooh. breakfast biscuits every time we Ooh. got on the bus. Because when you're taking the bus, it's like, you know, Wes, you got to leave early. You can't be leaving late on the bus. Buddy, you're, you're, talking, be late. you're talking to a veteran of the long <laughs> yeah. bus rides. I worked, in, I worked in minor league hockey. I took yeah. I took 19-hour bus rides. Yes. Yes. You, you hopping on that bus, and you leaving early. Yep. So who's always breakfast time getting on the bus? Yep. 
And when I tell you faithfully, we would always have a Chick-fil-A oh. chicken biscuit. Oh. oh, my gosh. It's good every time. <sighs> you talking about consistency. Hot, cold, didn't even matter. It was times where somebody didn't eat their biscuit. I took the biscuit two hours later, still, and it tastes good. You know, Mozi, normally we say this about Jesus, but Chick-fil-A is Jesus' chicken. No question. He broke bread you with know, that. You know, God is good all the time. Oh, and all the time, goodness. God is good. Talk about it. Chick-fil-A is good all the time. <laughs> and all the time, Chick-fil-A is good. Listen, man, they get double offering from me, okay? <laughs> so that's why Chick-fil-A is in number four. They pass around the collection plate twice. Hey, hey they, they, they just that good. Now at number five. At number five, man, this is it's more nostalgia right here. Hardee's Chicken mm. Filet Sandwich. They, it, it, we called it a sandwich. It, was, it came on a biscuit, all right? But this was the thing, right? So my dad, he was a teacher. He taught at the same school I wrote, I went to. And literally, so throughout the week, we went and go get breakfast. But every Friday, every Friday, and it was like his treat to me, keep me out of trouble. If I didn't get suspended, if I didn't get in trouble, and I showed up to every class and did all my assignments, he was going to take me to Hardee's to get a chicken nice. filet sandwich. Nice. Every Friday morning. Every Friday morning. That's a great way to start a Friday. And listen, man, when I tell you that was some of the most Happiest times of my man, we would be bumping Fred Hammond on the seat. We didn't have a whole CD player, we had the portable CD with the tape yep. player to, to plug mm-hmm. into the tape cassette area. Mm-hmm. And that's how we would do it every morning on Friday. We got to get up early to go get these Hardy's biscuits, this Hardy's Chick fil A sandwich. And oh my goodness, the chicken, the chicken filet, it just touched. It. I mean, you know it's good when a chicken sandwich hanging off the bun, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, because most times they some place they're gonna give you that small piece of chicken to fit on the braids, there's no way it should fit. This thing hanging out extra bulky, extra, extra thick. Mm-hmm. And golly. Oh, it tastes so good. It was heaven in my mouth. Heaven in my mouth. Made me so happy. I'm thinking about it right now. Whew. Whew. Yes, indeed. Now so that's my top five. My honorable mention, though. Ooh. You know I'm a Starbucks guy. Yeah, I thought about oh, Starbucks, Starbucks, too. Guy. I like their breakfast bis- sandwiches. I do. The, uh, the sausage and gravy biscuit that they have. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across it because I always I would go against Starbucks faithfully just because I like how it tastes sometimes. I want to get the tea. Sure. And I was starving one day. And my wife was like, you know, you can get break, you can get food from Starbucks. I'm like, they only serve muffins <laughs> and bagels. Like, I need some substance. She's like, no, nah, check this out. And then I was able to have a conversation with the, 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 the individual working there. And they told me you can get it with sausage and bacon. Oh, yeah. I said, oh, you done messed up now. I said, well, go ahead and run that thing. I mean, it was so hot, the gravy burning my mouth, ha, 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 burn, burning my tongue trying to eat it. It's so good. I couldn't help myself. So that's why Starbucks and their sausage and gravy biscuit is number number six honorable mention. Yeah, you know, I thought about sliding in sheets in there because technically oh, there are some sheets yeah. that have drive-through windows. This is true. This is very true. So, but I'll, I'll give sheets my, my honorable mention yeah. here. Those are some, those are some good ones. Oh, I got to tell you real quick, I used to be huge on the Burger King breakfast. Mm. So I would have been there with you. You know what ruined it for me? Uh-oh. Not even really ruined it for me, but I just had it so often. So my freshman year at WVU, you know, uh, like like every freshman, you're on the meal plan, right? Yes. At our like, you know, like the student union that's like right in the middle of campus. You know, every every college campus has one too. There was a Burger King in our mm. student union, okay. and if you were on the meal plan as a freshman, oh, you could include Burger King as your meal plan. As the meal. So we had Chick-fil-A, but we could only use like our extra like separate dining dollars I for it. I could go to Burger King for breakfast or for dinner. Not That's for lunch. Crazy. For breakfast or for dinner. And I could swipe my student ID That's like I was going crazy. in. And I could get any combo meal that I wanted to. 
That's crazy. So I had Burger King so much my freshman year of college. Wow. <laughs> like every day I either had it for breakfast or for dinner. One that, of the, that says one, a lot. Then. One I, of the I, other. I definitely understand so that. I just kind of burned myself out on Burger yeah. King. <laughs> I could definitely understand Eating that. Eating it for, you know, 200 straight days of my freshman year. And that's Jeez. part of the reason why I got that freshman 15 too. But Dude, I'm with you. That, I wish that Burger, Burger King, King croissant been. was delicious. And see, it for is me, delicious. the thing that's funny is this. My senior year of high school, you know how you could uh, – like you're able to like your schedule have you leaving school early, sure. so I would leave early, and then just come back for a football practice. But I would go to Burger King every day, and get the Whopper, the number one with a Sprite no ice, and it was the exact four dollars and thirty two cents. I memorized it because it was literally every day I was going there and eating that, and I never got tired of it. Does that make is something wrong with me for that? No. Because I literally ate it for every day for a whole school year. There's Before certain practice. things I think you can eat like every day and not get tired of, and then there's certain the things Whopper that just eventually. Perfect. Yeah. And I'm not even a Burger King guy. If I had to choose, I'm choosing McDonald's because it's Mickey D's. Mm-hmm. But Burger King, that Whopper, it's something about, man, I'm a fast food guy. I can't me too. Myself, bro. If fast food was good for you, I'd eat it every day. It is good for you. It makes me happy. That's all that matters. <laughs> David says, Whataburger's honey butter chicken on jalapeno ah, cheddar biscuit. But see, Whataburger's West Coast thing, though, I've man. never yeah. had Whataburger. Yeah, they Shame don't, they on don't me. have them out here, man. I was in Austin, Texas for four days last summer, and I did not have Whataburger. Oh, but that's wild. because I was too busy trying every taco. Yeah, Jack I was trying every taco like and barbecue that, place in Austin. Oh, Arthur Motes. Now I'm in the mood for some breakfast. Now I'm in the mood for fast food breakfast. Me too. Oh, you see these bad things that I do to us here on the program? But that's Best of the West Wednesday. That was fun. That was fun. I, we always get into some spirit at the base there. I, I, I enjoy that. And hopefully everybody out there, uh, we're not, you know, driving you to the uh, through, through the fast food line as you're, as you're listening and, and craving some of these places as well, too. All right, best of the West in the books. You know what that means. One segment to go here on this Wednesday before we say adios for the next 22 hours. So that can only mean one thing. It's time to get to your tweets. Last chance to get them in at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. We wrap with your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions as always on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Oh, when you hear the Dixie Cups, that can only mean one thing. Mm-hmm. It's time to get to those tweets, Motsi. We got a lot of them today, so without further ado, let's jump into it. Gregory, our buddy out on the West Coast. I tell you what, Motsi, he is. I just need to have Gregory start writing the three question Thursday questions, because this is another perfect one. Right, if there it. were to be an expansion team, where would they be, and what do we call them? trying to think of like the biggest cities that don't have NFL teams because I know there's been a lot of talk like oh should Chicago get a second team no we're past the giving New York is the only city that should have a second team LA shouldn't even have two teams yes you're right (laughs) and Vegas would have been the obvious answer in the past but now Vegas has a team true maybe Oakland San Francisco maybe the Bay Area Oakland had a team though I know (laughs) I think it's different though right than Oakland having a team and San Francisco having a team 
Well, technically, they both used to have teams. <laughs> they, well, that's they true, both San Francisco <laughs> does have, like, the San yeah. Francisco. Yeah, you're right, because you couldn't have a Bay team right. if you've already got to say it would have to be Oakland. You're right. Yeah, so they used to be <sighs> San Fran, and then they left. Now they're in Santa Clara. Then it used to be Oakland because mm-hmm. they were there at the same time, the Raiders and the Niners, and now Oakland is the L.A. I mean, is uh, the Vegas team now, so. Like I'm sure there's some mm. Tex- I'm sure there's some Texas towns that could support a team. I'm going across the border, man. Throw a team in Toronto, Ooh, bro. Oh, that's a good one. Throw that's, a team in Toronto. That's a really good one. I think it'd be dope. I like that. You know what, too? Uh, you know where I bet you could support an NFL team because it's just a state that loves football so much in Oklahoma. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like yeah Oklahoma absolutely. City. Yes. What would they be called if they were in Toronto? Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, wait, that's already taken. The Toronto Maple Syrups. Oh, that's already taken. I don't know. Gregory, how about you tell us what they'd be called if they were in Toronto or if they were in Oklahoma City? The Toronto Owls. The Toronto Owls. The Oklahoma City. Ooh, the Oklahoma Mm. City Bison. Uh, No, the Oklahoma City Snakes in honor of Kevin Durant. Whoa. Okay. He's going to find you. You know, (laughs) don't play that now. All shots are contested. Our buddy Thrash asks... Oh, now see, Thrash. This is we. Now this is a uh, this is a segment question. Maybe we'll Uh-oh. do this tomorrow because this is we don't have enough time. He wants to know our all time AFC North starting eleven. Yeah, Thrash. We got. Yeah, I gotta do yeah, some research yeah, on that time. one. We gotta have some. But that's a good. We won't. That, you we'll get, we, that's we'll gonna get, be a segment. That's though. gonna be a segment of some time. You know what, yes. Thrash? Actually, I'm gonna hit the uh, add this tweet to bookmarks yeah, here that so that I remember about be a that. Segment, bro. By the way, I did. Uh, I went on Thrash's podcast yesterday. You did. I did. Sweet. How was our, it? We had ourselves a grand old time. I like we, it. We drank some beers. We talked like about it. some Rage Against the Machine. I like we it. We talked some video games. Um, have you ever? This was Thrash. Kind of opened my eyes to this. Have you ever heard of a band called Body Count? No, I haven't. Ice T is the lead singer of this band. They're a metal rock band. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yes, Ice T, Ice T, Ice T, Ice T. Wow, is the lead singer of a metal rock band. What did he sound named like? Body Count? And 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 I thrashed, put me onto these guys. I was listening to the album. Wow. I gotta tell you, it's not like my cup of tea music style, but I like it. So shout out to Thrash. He's opening up my, you know, my. I need to check that. My out. doors That's... here. Yeah, I did not know. How is how is Ice T the what? lead singer of a metal rock band? And I didn't know this until a few days ago. Ice T can sing, right? Jeez. Body count. So Thrash and I had a grand old time on the podcast yesterday. Wow. And Thrash, thanks for a segment idea for us because that's just, whoo. That I mean, yeah, we, we, we don't like have enough. That. We don't have enough time left here in this segment to get to that. But we'll we'll get to that this week, Thrash, for sure. Richard says Franco was the best fullback in team history. Jerome was the best t- uh, best tailback in team history. Two different positions. Oh yeah, yeah. break down tailback versus running back. Richard is correct. All right, and and no, 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 I, I, I got. We, we said in theory, we talked about that. Now, we, yeah. But what fullback was back then is not what we think fullback is it's now. Not, not which at is all. why we just threw the blanket running back yes. over. You could call it fullback, tailback, wingback, whatever you want to call it. But you're right, Richard. I do think it's important that you know younger football fans our age they understand the difference. They understand yeah. the difference. That is definitely something important to point out. What's the difference between a flanker and an H back? Would you stop it? I was just wondering. TC says, "Remember, TJ Watt is an outside linebacker, edge rusher. He's drops into coverage. Also, while Miles Garrett is always rushing the quarterback, imagine if Watt rushed the quarterback every single passing play like Garrett. Yeah, we did. We we talked yeah, about we, that. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that you should, you know, have as a." A grain of salt when you're yeah. when you're when you're having those discussions. Absolutely. 
Uh, David, the Photoshop extraordinaire, sticking with the running back theme, I love the discussion of swapping Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders in their primes mm. and wondering how the rushing records could have went. Sanders behind that Dude. Dallas offensive line. Come on, man. Game over. Dude, yeah, you said it. Different. You said yeah. it. Yeah. Without a doubt. Emmett Smith different. is certainly one of the greatest running backs of all time, but. He benefited largely from that he, sporting cast. And, and, a, and a good quarterback and good yes. wide receivers, whereas Barry Sanders was kind of on an island by himself. Yes. Uh, Thrash also adds here, Richard was unstoppable running people over before he busted up his leg. Yeah. <sighs> Man, his, I, I know it's, it's easy to dislike that guy now. What? No, it ain't. <laughs> oh, you, Arthur Votes. <laughs> you... Uh, the lit one, Rebecca. Lit, lit, lit. Hey, man, where was you at yesterday? I know, and it's funny. That's uh, where she she says, Yins, we're talking about Louis Lips the other day. That's where my nickname came from. Everyone everyone thought my last name was pronounced Lipanovich. <laughs> so I got the, I got, I got the nickname All Lip. Right. Uh, what are your, or Rebecca, the lit one, also, she wants to know, obviously, with this, um, what are your nicknames, and what's the body all about? Arthur Motes, <laughs> you, you first. All right, well, for me, man, this is simple. Um, I got the body, what, when I was in high school, probably a freshman, freshman going to my sophomore year. So we were doing just like an open gym basketball type thing because I was a hooper. I, I mean, mm-hmm. football was fun, but basketball was like my first love. So we're doing a little off-season, just shooting in the, uh, the gym. I got no shirt on. I'm ripped up, but I was never a big guy. I was always, like, just tall and, like, lanky type. And it was like, dang, dude, you cut up, man. You got the body on you. And then from there, man, it just started sticking. And from there, yeah, literally all through high school was the body. So then I started my social media when I got to college. And then from there, my college people was like, yo, that's the body. So we just kept it going. And, yeah, that's that. I like it. What about you, Wes? How did you get your nickname, man? I've told you I've had a if, – if you know anything about hockey culture <laughs> – it's the ultimate nickname culture, mm-hmm. right? So not only did I play hockey growing up my entire life for my high school and for like a, an equivalent of like an AAU, like a travel team, yeah. I also worked in minor league hockey, right? Um, so when I was growing up, uh, my stepfather, right, uh, his last name is Wu, okay? I call him my dad. He, I mean, legally, right. he is my dad. But for the purpose of kind of laying this out for the audience who doesn't really know my family back history, right, um, my dad, who I talk about, who's raised me my whole life, right, is wasn't actually my birth father so he had mm-hmm. the one who's in the symphony he has a different last name than me his last name is Wu. my friends found out when i was a kid that my initials wesley euler also spell out <laughs> Wu like my dad's last That's name tight. so my friends when we were in like sixth grade started calling me Wu, which evolved into Wu tang so among, among my buddies growing up like they still call me wesley wu-tang to this day if my hey. best friends from childhood call me wes it freaks me out because I was always Wu or Wu Tang when we were growing up. That's tight, low key. From the hockey, <laughs> from the hockey aspect, I always got snipes because of Wesley Snipes, <laughs> and I always got Mantooth. Because you do kind of look like Wesley Snipes too, man. <laughs> See, yeah, we look exactly like. <laughs> and Mantooth because Wes Mantooth is Vince Vaughn's character uh. in Anchorman. <laughs> so the three nicknames that I've had throughout my life have been Wu Tang, Snipes, and Mantooth. Or, like, Mantooth got converted into Toothy, you know? Like, or my hockey coach used to call me Toothy. Like, it, you know how those things evolve. But those are those are the main ones that, I, that I've Yo, had throughout my that years. That is funny. If you know anything about hockey culture, everybody's got, everybody Dude, gets nicknames. I like your nickname a lot, bro. Your nickname's a lot. Uh, Steven came with some stats here, too. A couple of the notable 70s running backs. 
OJ Simpson, 62 fumbles in 135 games. Sweetness, 86 fumbles yeah, in like, 190 what, what was going games. What going on back then, man? They just didn't value ball security, apparently. Hey, man, I fumbled. Oh, well, all right, I'm good. <laughs> like, jeez. Uh, Julian wants to know, speaking of running back conversations, I know our room is stacked. Does Kareth White make the team? I think if he does, he's going to have to have a major impact on special teams just because of – the guys that are in front of them, in front of him, and what they already have invested in them. James Conner, we already talked about. He is the most decorated, most accomplished back on the roster, so you know he's there. When we talk about uh, Benny Snell, fourth round pick, but he showed last year more than enough, both as a running back and in special teams, that he deserves a spot. Then with Anthony McFarland, his draft status is going to keep him on the roster, and because he has a unique skill set. Mm-hmm. The speed that he has, nobody else on that roster has right now. So that's, I mean, what, two spots right – well, excuse me, three spots right there. And then you still got Jalen Sammons, who's the Swiss Army knife. He does some of everything. Mm-hmm. So I think if Kerf is going to make this roster, it's going to be him beating out at Jalen Samuels or him proving that he has more value than just in the running back room because if everything goes as planned, you don't see him getting touched. You don't see him seeing the fill in the backfield. And that's regardless if, if James the bell cow or if they go running back by committee. Right. So either approach, Carafee's not going to really have enough opportunity in the backfield, so he's going to have to just make it a, a special teams thing until other opportunities arise. We got a bunch of uh, chiming in here on the where to put the NFL's expansion franchise. Uh, Lil J and B55 says New Mexico. Ooh. And wants to know if we think – They'll ever consider Lev Bell one of the greatest New York Jets by the time his tenure there is over. I mean, I don't think so. Not as long as Gase is there, bro. Yeah. Not happening. And it's just he's also starting to get to that age for running backs too, right? Yeah. Where we know the shelf life is short there. You can't be 350, 400 touches every year. Nah, and, man, that and, catches and, up. Unless you're Adrian Peterson, that catches up. That catches up. Uh, Gunner here says, what about Utah for a professional NFL team? Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, I they do like, have a like, crazy fan base like, for the basketball like, game. Yeah, and I feel like Utah football and BYU football draw really well and get yeah. good support. So so that's a good one. And, yeah, only one other professional team in that state, so it's not like you have a ton of attention to compete with. Um, man, put one in <laughs> VA, man. Jeff, Jeff says, with Oklahoma, since you've got the Sooners, how about the NFL team be the Oklahoma Laters or the Jeez. Oklahoma Lates? <laughs> Oh, I see you, Jeff. I see you, Jeff. And uh, another Jeffrey. We got two. We got Jeff and Jeffrey here says, what about the Oklahoma Vipers? Mm. There you go. Because get it? Because the snakes in Oklahoma. Oklahoma Rattlers. Ooh. Mm. I like this. The Oklahoma. I don't know. What's Oklahoma known for? Red dirt? No. long. uh, No, no. (laughs) I guess that's mean. No, Oklahoma, they have cows and and bulls and all that stuff, right? true. Yeah. Oklahoma Bulls. Oklahoma Bulls. Oklahoma Red Bulls. Ooh, you tie in a sponsorship element there. Oh, there too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, <laughs> you, become like Bulls, a, yeah. you become like a soccer team all of a sudden. You're named after your sponsor, oh, man. New York Red Bull. Jeez. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks for all the participation, Mozi. This was—I know I've said this a few times. This was the most tweets we've ever gotten in a day. Keep it coming. Let's do it again tomorrow. Just got to keep giving the people what they want, man. We know this is what they need, especially during times like now, man. So that's what we got for you, baby. All right. So you get to put me on the spot right by. I have to go first when we do these things. So I get to put you on the spot here by making you decide what we do tomorrow. Okay. That's fine with me. Monday was wide receivers. Y- you, you're going to keep bringing it up. What about Steelers all-time defense? I know where you're going. Tuesday was pass rushers. Uh-huh. Today was running back. Uh huh. You want to go Steelers all time defense? No, you yeah, you brought it up three days in a row. So go ahead. You brought it up three. What are my options? What are my options? Well, let's see. 
We can do the all-time defense. <laughs> Tell we gotta us who's do, gonna we gotta do better. <laughs> we gotta do better Bradshaw at some point, right? Uh-huh. We have to. Um, and I think we have to do linebacker, best linebackers at some point. Fair? We haven't done best linebacker? No, we did pass rush. Haven't. Yeah. <sighs> we could honestly we might have to take this into next week. It's going to the next week. We could week. do best defensive back. Yeah. Best offensive lineman. And yeah, because best defensive back, now we're talking safeties and corners. That's right. It's different. So where are we going tomorrow, Motsi? I mean, I feel like we should go quarterback personally. Let's do it. Because I think that fits we've had the running back and the wide receiver discussion, yeah. right? So let's do let's do quarterbacks tomorrow. I feel like we got, but wait a minute. We supposed to go offense, defense, offense, defense. Hmm. I'm supposed to type way now. We go and double up on offense. Hmm. But if we do it that way, then we can get out of here on Friday with You're defense. right. You're right. Let's do it then. <laughs> we can send months into yes. the weekend on a happy note. Yes, indeed. So we'll go quarterbacks then. We'll Tomorrow, quarterbacks. quarterback day on the program. Who's the greatest in Steelers franchise Absolutely. history? And how do we rank them in the AFC North right now? I Ooh, love it. that'll be I interesting. Arthur Motes, we're going to have some fun on the program tomorrow. We'll also talk to our buddy Brian Backo and have some three-question Thursday as well. So a jam-packed show tomorrow. We'll talk to the ends then in about 22 hours. As always, high noon, and you know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.